This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Jeff Mead. Jeff Mead was a Press Association's Europe editor for 35 years in Brussels, but is also very well known in Brussels as a humorist. So, Jeff, we're going to talk about humour um, and being funny, and let's start with that old cliché which says that it's a serious business being funny. Is it difficult for you? Is it a serious business trying to be funny? Well, in abstract, I would say... Uh, it might be quite difficult, but since I came to Brussels, I, I found it relatively easy. That's not to denigrate Brussels in any way, but sometimes I don't know if, if, if humour or being funny is a serious business, but I know that sometimes the best humour comes from ostensibly serious issues, um, and uh, Brussels, should we say, provides a lot of material. And where does your inspiration come from? I know you write sketches, you write songs... You write this, you do most of the heavy lifting on this very now famous um, annual press review that you put together. So where does your inspiration come from? That is so difficult. Um, I used to do a little bit of this sort of thing before I came to Brussels, but it's, uh, I well remember in my first weeks here as a journalist trying to learn the ropes, as you know as well as I do, if not better, that you can have entire EU-centric conversations in this town. Uh, in which every other word is an acronym. And, uh, OK, th there's a serious side to that, and a lot of people love their acronyms, but I just, sometimes some conversations were just so hysterically funny to me. Um, and, and, I, and remember, that there's nothing novel about this, because uh, we Brits well remember and love uh, the programme Yes Minister. Right. And Yes Minister was, uh, I would say, a fairly affectionate... Um, humorous look at the, the oddities and idiosyncrasies of ministers versus their, their um, uh, secretaries and you know their, their, their betters in Whitehall. And basically, Brussels is a big version of that. So I don't think there's anything uh, sort of um, unique at all about finding this kind of bureaucratic, governmental, ministerial setup with all its institutions funny, it just struck me that, that there is a lot of comedy. And as I say, I, I, I do emphasise that that's not to say, oh, I find it funny, I don't take it seriously, um, it's just some whimsy, this whole political contract. Yeah, it's really not that, it's really not that at all. Um, and I, over the years I've, I've um, come to appreciate the fact that some of the people I've grown to know who are, you know, important people in the institutions also have the gift of you know, being able to recognise humour in it, even though some of the business is very funny. Um, no, I've sat in many press briefings given by ambassadors, by European officials in the institutions, um, from presidents to press officers, and, and I, I think we all, well, I hope it's not just me, I think we all do find, even when we're seriously jotting down extremely important things about... Um, the exchange rate mechanism back in the day or whatever else. There's always something funny when people spend half an hour talking about the snake, for instance, you know. Um, uh, and so there's an awful lot. I mean, when I came here 100 years ago, well, no, 35, to be accurate, <laughs> as you said, um, you know, the main topic of conversation was the, the common agriculture policy. It was, it was the betmar for the Brits. It was a big, big thing. It, it took up vast chunks of the budget. And it seemed to have more acronyms than you could shake a stick at. And it was just, there was something comedic when you're listening to a very well-informed official, and it might be an ambassador or a, or a senior gov national government official or an EU official on the subject. And of course, naturally, they talk in these acronyms. And you can go through, you know, half an hour and say, am I the only one in this room who doesn't know what half these acronyms mean? And you look around, you look over your shoulder, everyone's writing furiously. And it's usually telling that after a meeting like that one, when I hadn't been here too long, I'm saying to people, like, 
what's uh, X, Y, Z? And, and someone said, oh, don't you know that? It's so-and-so. And they would say, why didn't you ask that? And then Peter, well, I don't want to look a fool. And then three or four others who'd been there will pipe up and say, well, actually, I didn't know either. I'm glad someone's asked. Well, you seem to be saying then, in the sense that the being a, a humorist specialising, should we say, in the European Union and its politics is actually a source of humour for you, a source of inspiration, because all these acronyms and this jargon, etc. Whereas I would have thought the contrary, that it's so obscure and so complicated and remote from most people's lives that it, you, you'd have difficulty trying to make fun of things that people would actually understand. I mean, in the national context, people kind of know the House of Commons in the British sense. You mentioned Whitehall. You know, you actually know the personalities, sort of even ordinary people, quote-unquote. When it comes to Brussels, it's, it's, these things are pretty far off people's ordinary daily lives, aren't they? That's absolutely right. I mean, it is different because even if you're not steeped in domestic politics, of course, basically, you know, it, it's, it's the civil servants, the, uh, the politicians in, in, in Westminster, and it, it's a fairly simple thing to understand. And that was another source of, uh, which had me in fits of giggles quite often in meetings, trying to remember which institution was which. Um, and, and what each institution did and, and always having to remember to describe the European Parliament as the only democratically elected uh, institution uh, and of course so now we routinely talk about um, um, overpaid um, unelected bureaucrats and all this stuff and this, yeah. this, is, this is not so much comedy, it's cliche frankly but, but so you, no you're right it doesn't, it's not a, you don't come here and, and, and sort of find yourself riding on the same merry-go-round as all these other people, albeit in the cheaper seats, but, um, <laughs> and then say, oh my God, this is a great source of, of global comedy, because as you say, it's so arcane, some of it. Like, like uh, many public sectors are, unless you're steeped in them, in them they are arcane. It, but what, what, I, what I did like was the feeling that there are lots of people in this town, or in this, this milieu, who you could make obscure jokes using obscure acronyms, or job titles or all sorts of things that don't exist elsewhere and, and they'd love it but you're right it, it doesn't translate easily because the show I do here some people have, have sometimes said oh you should go to London and put it on somewhere um, everyone would love it and I said no but first you ha you'd have to give them a little sort of fairly hefty booklet to describe yeah, glossary of something. why these acronyms are funny because, and again it applies as I say elsewhere in all, in all our fields of operation we all have our jargon and our acronyms, but I, I just like the idea that in this town everyone uses them and just hopes and assumes that everyone else knows what the hell they're talking about. So when you're writing something, whether it's a sketch or a humorous piece, uh, mm. an article of some sort, uh, do you know when you've written it, when you're writing it, that it, it, it's funny? I mean, do, do you laugh out loud? Do you smile to yourself? Do you chuckle? Or do you have a kind of professional uh, uh, approach to it where you have certain techniques you employ and, and you um, kind of know your audience, oh, they'll find that funny because of this. Do you see what I'm saying? Are you actually yes. intimately involved in the process and trying to make yourself laugh, as it were, or are you just trying to make your audience laugh? Uh, I, I think it's the same thing because I, I, I'm just I'm the same as everybody else. So, so if, if, I, if I find it amusing, uh, I think other people will too. But you, but you are very aware. We all are sometimes. You know, we make corny jokes, uh, and, and it's good for sort of two-second laugh. But uh, I like something a bit more, more that, that works better. And the only way to do it is not to say, right, I'm going to spend half an hour uh, writing about the Economic and Social Committee, and in that <laughs> half an hour I need eight good jokes, two or three sort of digs at them for for not actually having much influence anymore. Sorry if anyone's listening who's on the Economic <laughs> Social Committee. Or the, the uh, increasingly observed Comedy of the Regions, uh, Committee of the Regions. Um, uh, and find something, but what this is absolutely true. You, you start with a basic outline of an idea, 
Um, and somewhere as you're writing that, a, something will fall into place. There will something will hit you almost as if I was listening to it for the first time as well. You you get to. I mean, take a very simple example. This year, because of Brexit and everything, uh, an obvious sketch which was in the back of my mind for ages was to, uh, you know, the, the, this problem of. of British bureaucrats, what's their future? Mm. Have they come up against, a, not a glass ceiling, but a, a sort of 10-foot thick steel ceiling <laughs> in their careers? And, uh, you know, some have. But it seemed to me, what a great time for a, a youngish, fresh-faced, ambitious Brit bureaucrat in the Commission to, to go to his departmental boss and sort of say, I'm, I'm so keen on this, I want to be moved to another job. And you just, what? What do you think? And I, so I did, did a sketch like that, but, but that's all that was in it. So you start with a, this young, you know, um, guy with sort of 30 years of career in front of him, were it not for Brexit, um, and see where it goes. And you write things like that. And, and sometimes, to be honest, you get halfway through, oh, no, this really isn't, you know, what am I thinking of? This is not funny, it doesn't work. And then sometimes it sort of seems to fit into place and you, and you just try to keep the, the, the dialogue real. I learned very early, well, I learned, I mean, it was, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an amateur anyway, but, but, but I, I discovered quite early on that the kind of quick-fire little jokes one might make across the table over a coffee or a beer in a bar, it doesn't really sustain itself because I used to think, oh, store that one up and then when, I, when I've got a, a theatre full of people, yeah. it's not the same, it's a very different thing. So you have to just be more measured and think of something that actually has some some legs actually which which doesn't just sound funny of this this moment this this second and, and somebody laughs and you forget about it it's got to sort of it's got to be funny now and it needs to work on the night and sometimes they don't is there such a thing as as a, a european sense of humor i mean in the sense that, that we all laugh at the same things even if it's in our own language i asked the question because i know in your press review your annual show for example the audience i know Oh, no, I never counted it. I'm too busy enjoying the show and having a glass of cheap wine. But um, I never count the number of people in the room who are not Brits. But there's, there's a big chunk of them, right? And they seem to be laughing at least as much as us Brits are. So are you, are you surprised by that? Or do you take that for, for, for granted now after all these years of doing this show? Are you, yeah. are, you, are you intrigued by that? I am intrigued. And yes, after many years, you do take it for granted. But, but it's nice to be reminded that it's quite a feat for someone in a different language to, to, to get the same uh, amusement out of something. I mean, I think it, it, it's quite something for we Brits to see so many people around us who speak excellent um, English and can actually operate in English socially and, and at work. But to actually sit in a, in a sort of, you know, in a show where there's, there's someone making childish jokes, um, it is quite quite stunning. But, it, but the thing is, this show was... It, it was well, I was going to say it was only for British people. It wasn't quite as dictatorial at the as that, beginning. Maybe at the, the beginning, beginning yeah. it was just yeah. for some mates and the, most of the journalists yeah. around a dinner, dinner table. <laughs> and when it became, you know, then then some more people were coming along, and then you find there were other nationalities coming, and you said, "Well, crikey, does that mean I have to change everything I do?" And then people said, "No, no. The reason they're coming is because they've heard word of it, and they like what it is." And of course, it. I do think these days about jokes and plays on words and sometimes trying to do a little bit more uh, where it can amuse foreigners as well. I mean, in other words, if I'm going to uh, take the mickey out of the acronyms, you, I, I sometimes will look at the acronyms because mm. they're different acronyms in different languages and see if there's any, any humour in that. So, But it is, it is quite something. And I, I, to answer your question, I don't know. There's 600 people roughly there. 
uh, on at that show, and I would say probably sixty percent are non-native Brits now, mm. and I think that's quite. I don't know whether that says more about them than me, but they're obviously they're obviously very clever. Well, they're obviously. Well, they're, I'm not sure if they're clever, but they're certainly laughing. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure they're clever. I'm sure they're clever. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, to push this point about European sense of humour. You know, mm. for example, Eddie Izzard, the, the well-known British comedian, he famously does a stand-up show, as you know, in in French and other languages. He manages to connect, even though it's, his French is pretty basic, but it's getting better. Yeah. Um, to, to connect with his audience, you know, that you'll find on YouTube, I think. And, historic clip of, of Monty Python who did once a sketch or maybe a whole show in, in German, I think. Um, they, mm -hmm. they, they were paid to do that and they tried to do it. So I'm just wondering, if, you know, could you imagine if your, your, your humour, not just your show, but your writings generally were to be translated into other European languages, that the people reading it in their own native languages would find it still funny? I am firmly of the belief that, that actually um, humour is one of those elements of European life that uh, will not uh, conform to the norms of the single market. There, I don't think there is a, a single... Mutual recognition, I Well, I, you, uh, if I'm lucky at that show, you get mutual recognition. But I no, I don't think people have the same sense of humour. Because as you, as you know, in, in that show, there's usually a, a slot for some German friends who, who have a, a um, not a completely different take, but it's interesting to see the way their minds It's a bit Germanic, yes. Well, it's Germanic, yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes a group of Italians will do something, and that's like the Keystone Cops in Italian almost. Um, and there was a period when some French journalists um, came, but, but they, they're the only people who said to me, we want to do our sketch in French. Um, and nothing wrong with that, but I just said it's the wrong show to do that, because um, it, it won't really work. But no, I, I, do, I do think we're divided by national humour traits. Right. There, is a, there is some commonality, but, but um, that's why I'm surprised that so many people, that's why I'm surprised so many people um, uh, who are non-native uh, Brit speakers come to the show, be because I haven't really made too many efforts to, to, to adapt it to national language. The common thread, of course, is the subject matter. I mean, the, the, yeah. obviously the EU and the institutions. I, I know you quite well. I know you're quite respectful to the kind of people you, you towards people you pillory and satirise. Um, are there kind of no-go areas for you? Do you kind of, not self-censor, censor is a very strong loaded word to journalists, I know, but do you feel, do you have a kind of mechanism inside yourself, say, I will, I will not make fun of that situation or that institution or that individual or that whatever yes. because it's not right. Yes, I do. I do because, and again, remember, we're purely amateur, so it's a different um, way of thinking. I mean, I don't have to sort of appeal to any particular strain. I, I certainly do. I personally am not comfortable um, trying to be preach or make a point through humour that is uh, attacking people. I mean, yes, we... we make jokes at, not at people's expense, but people who, sometimes who find, uh, actually like it when they're named, even, even negatively. But no, there are, there are things I, I don't like to do, and I, don't, I hate, would hate to set myself up as someone who, who, who can sort of, okay, just because you're making a few jokes, you can't necessarily say, well, I, this means I know better than that person, or I'm better than that person. And there are so many people you could... Um, uh, I was going to say knock down, but that's not the case so much. But but Hillary, yeah, um, and and maybe in in perhaps impersonating people a little bit or whatever we do. But no, I find I'm my my humour, the humour I like is is just the the comedic effect of of the use of language, mm. um, 
the juxtaposition of institutions and the, the conflicts of interest, and a, a bit like going back to, to Yes Minister, that kind of thing, right. which was very gentle, really, yeah. um, in its in style. It said yeah. an awful lot about the, 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 the relationships between um, cabinet ministers and, and, the, and the, the senior officials and who ran. And, and of course, the whole joke in that, the, 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 the thread running through Yes Minister, was that the politicians thought they ran the country because they'd been voted in. And of course they didn't, it's the, the permanent civil servants who run it. And that was a lovely yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how much that was in there when uh, those scripts started being written. Sometimes you just find you, 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 you've touched a chord. I like it sometimes when people after the show say to me, oh, wonderfully observed reference to something. Right. And sometimes I think, oh, I didn't realize I'd made a wonderfully observed reference to something. The one last question, maybe to finish off. There are lots of management books out there which say things like, you know, if you want to be successful in your career, you should use humour. If you want to defuse difficult situations, use humour. If you want to get people on your side in the negotiation, use humour, and so on, and so on, and so on. In your experience of you know, observing politicians and interviewing them at press conferences and, and, and the like, uh, do you think that politicians are, are kind of uh, unable to have a sense of humour because they're so... So that their DNA, which makes them become politician, makes them maybe lacking enough self-awareness to be funny and to, or to use humour as a tool. Or other individuals out there, you can throw, you can give examples of whom you sort of admire and respect for having used humour despite or because of being politicians. I well, my observation is that um, politicians using humour um, are running at a huge risk. It usually backfires. Um, and I do think that probably... They're just the, competition for you, though, aren't they? Well, but, yes, no, but I, I'm going to come to, to a particular example who, who we both know well in a minute. But, but to start with, they, um, politicians who try to be funny to impress the electorate will probably find it will backfire because I think most people going into politics are not there because the comedy is at the top of their list of priorities. And so if they come to it late and they have a, a spin doctor who says, oh, I'll tell you what, Prime Minister or Minister, right. you know, here's a couple of jokes. Um, uh, we could name some current politicians for whom that doesn't really work. You can, you can see the joke because you hear it, but it doesn't work right. because it's all in the telling. It's too robotic. It, it's too robotic. But, but here's one point. Uh, somebody we both know extremely well, Boris Johnson, who I watch with great interest develop into a sort of kind of politician, um, is, is inherently an amusing fellow who likes jokes, likes being amusing. But I, the, the problem I have with that is that from his recent experience, it's disappointing to observe that it's not actually worked in his favour. I think a lot of his, um, his appeal for people who don't know him, who, who elect him for political reasons, is that he brings that sort of um, humorous insight. But, but now he's got into high office, mm. by hook or by crook, but he has. Um, <laughs> it's been interesting to notice that that trait which probably got him up there in the first place is now not serving him well. Right. And I observe it and I think, oh, Boris, I know that's you when you're making those, those wisecracks uh, in the company of... John Kerry or whoever. I know that's you and I know it's not put on and it's not scripted. That is how we all know you are. But if I didn't know you, I'd think, stop trying to shoehorn the gags into serious politics. Um, I mean, it's one of the things I've heard in the last oh, couple of days about our current Prime Minister is that whatever her merits may be, 
those who know well just say, well, the problem is she lacks a sense of humour. Now, in the old days, I think we said, well, thank God for that. They're meant to be running the country, not, not be doing stand-up. <laughs> but these days, because politics and, and, and celebrity, uh, there's, a, there's a meeting point now. Um, more and more, I think elements of celebrity on the humorous side are expected to play some role in politics. But as I say, the, the Boris Johnson experience shows me that you, even if you've got a genuine and in, in, uh, intuitive sense of humour, if you're in serious politics, you have to know when to use it and when not to. Okay, on that thoughtful point, we'll leave it there. Jeff, me, thank you very much for your time. <laughs>